I want to share a message with you today called the treasure. And I know just saying that uh, word and looking at that picture in the bulletin, it's, it kind of gets your attention of the treasure. There's many treasures in this world. I want to talk about one that Jesus talks about. It's estimated that there are over 6 billion Bibles in print. The Bible is the most popular book of all time. But for those who have taken it seriously as a gift from God, it's more than just a book. In fact, to those who have searched its pages under the illumination of the Holy Spirit, they have found the great treasure that is hidden inside. Jesus talked about this very thing in one of His many parables about the kingdom of heaven. If you've studied the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13, there's several parables right in a row about the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk about one today. Matthew 13, verse 44. It says again, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. See, the kingdom of heaven is not just treasure, but it is treasure hidden in a field. What is the significance of this? It denotes something that needs to be searched for and sought after and desired even greater than the counterfeit treasures of the world. Just the allure of the opportunity should be enough to draw everyone's attention to its location. But that doesn't happen. Most people are looking for treasures in the wrong field. The field of the world. They are looking for money, for fame, for recognition, for affirmation, or for contentment. They're looking for thrill, for adventure, and for worldly fulfillment. Why is their search off base? It's because they're being led by their flesh, by the desires of their sinful nature. And if we are not deliberate in recognizing and acknowledging and ignoring that voice, then we too will be led to the wrong field in search for the wrong treasure. The treasure of the world is influenced by sin, whether it be obvious or veiled. Even good men and women fail to fall to this deceptive chase after worldly treasures while thinking they are pursuing the things of God. Why does this happen and how does it happen? And how can we make sure that we are seeking after the true treasure of God? Well, to search for God's truth here, first we need to understand more about the desire that leads anyone to seek for treasure. James talks about one treasure that is given to those who have persevered under great trial seeking after God. How many know that James is the book of wisdom for the New Testament? It's often, often like the Proverbs is the book of wisdom for the Old Testament. James is full of a lot of wisdom in the New Testament. So we're going to begin in James chapter 1, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life to which the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, the Lord has promised the crown of life or eternal life to those who love Him, who do not give up seeking Him and continuing to endure. The fact of the matter is that everyone is tempted to give up seeking and trusting God. Some temptations are obvious 
And some are very deceptive, appealing to our desires. We are blessed when we endure temptation, although you don't always feel it at the moment. Right? But this does not mean we're going to be perfect. But only that we will continue to seek God and be quick to repent when we stray, and we all do, and acknowledge our wrongs and proclaim our need for Jesus and persevere to get back on the path that leads to His holiness. For those who endure temptation and stay focused on God's will, their faith becomes authenticated. We don't earn salvation by our works, but our faith becomes authenticated where we know it's more than just us saying something. We back it up especially through the storm. As Joanne sang, the anchor holds in spite of the storm. How many of you have been through storms before? How many of you are going through storms right now? I think all of us could say that, right? But that anchor holds, and that's how we know our Faith is real and it's authenticated and we are proved by God. But contrary to some teaching today, our salvation is more than just a simple prayer and thinking that we have our ticket punched to heaven. When we trust God through our trials, our faith is approved by God as we receive an incorruptible crown of eternal life by His grace. Yet this treasure is nothing that we earn. We can only receive it by trusting Jesus as our champion and victor over sin and death in the grave. It is also clear, however, that the enemy of our souls desires nothing less than to prevent us from receiving this crown. And so he devises ways to tempt us all to pursue after the world's hollow offerings instead of the fullness of God. James 1.13 Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. See, it's important to note that though temptation is part of the journey that all of us pass through, it is not a recipe instituted by God. God didn't put that temptation in your life in order for you to earn that crown of life because it cannot be earned even though the one who endures temptation is given the crown of life, it does not mean that God sends temptation our way as a rite of passage to receive the crown. James makes it clear in this passage that God is not the one who tempts us. It is the devil who tempts us to seek after the treasures of the world by enticing us to appease the desires of our flesh. James 1.14 but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. I believe this verse in Scripture has not been fully taught in much of the church today, which has led to the wool being pulled over the eyes of many. It has led to many people thinking that they are walking with the Lord, but lacking the true power that defines a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let me explain. Most Christians have no problem describing sinful, sinful behavior and actions that don't line up with the Word of God and the will of God. In fact, many can clearly point out the obvious sinful temptations that has the devil's fingerprints all over them. Things like lust, illicit drug use, theft, greed, negativity, and revenge are all obvious sins that most can discern. However, the devil and his schemes do not make up the whole equation when it comes to sinful behavior. 
James tells us that each one is tempted by the enemy when we are drawn away by our own desires inside of us and enticed. You see, it's more than just the enemy enticing us. There's something in us that's susceptible to the enemy and is drawn away and enticed. Each of us has a sinful nature, a part of us that's not good. In fact, listen to how the prophet Jeremiah describes its influence. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see, our heart, or simply our flesh, in its unregenerate state, is not just bad, it is desperately wicked. It is ever seeking to gratify its desires. It wars against the Spirit of God and causes conflict in how we engage with the world to meet our needs and our desires. If we only keep focus on the enemy, on Satan, if we only put our focus on him and on his temptations, then we allow our flesh to operate under the radar and pull us into deceptive thinking and behaviors that lead to sin. There's truth to a popular saying that says it takes two to tango. And yet, one of the enemy's greatest deceptions is to convince us that all we need to worry about is to find a way to stop the devil. And then we're okay. However, sin is birthed through two entities. Temptation from the enemy is one, but also our own sinful desires taking the bait that's laid out for us. James 1.15 says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. See, temptation alone is not sin. For even Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, yet He was without sin. Why? He did not have the sinful nature. Temptation alone is not sin. But when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. Tell me, what do you know about conception? In order for a child to be conceived, there has to be two coming together. A man and a woman to bring about the birth of a child. The same is true for sin. Sin cannot simply be blamed on the devil because in and of himself, the devil cannot cause you to sin. The devil made me do it is not a logical excuse that holds any water. But when two come together, the desires of our sinful nature and the devil's temptation, then sin is born or conceived. You see, if we only focus on shutting down the devil but to neglect to keep our desires in check, it's like, it's like allowing the dog to eat all the crumbs underneath the table. When we come to the Lord, it's often because we are at a place where we are lost or hurt, or beat down, or feeling rejected, or not fulfilled in a variety of areas. The goal, of course, is to allow God to mend those hurts, and to fill those voids, and to raise us up in His strength. However, this process takes time, and a concerted effort on our part to stick with God during the journey, so He can make us become more and more like Jesus. As we remain completely devoted to Him, and His direction for healing our souls, and teaching us how to walk with Him daily. So to help with the process, we follow God's command and we join a church, a body of believers who are put together with a common goal to encourage one another, to lift up God's name and to function as the body of Christ in the world. Yet each one of us has wounds. 
Each one of us has areas of weaknesses and things that we still struggle with on an individual basis. Most of the time, we allow God to correct our thinking, to fill us with His wisdom, and to transform us through His living Word. But there are other desires in us that are impatient. And also deceived into thinking that we are feeding our spirit when in actuality our desires are going after things that are feeding our flesh instead. The truth is that we've all been tempted to desire the affirmation of others, to desire the appreciation and the thanks of others, or to desire the acknowledgement of their recognition or their respect for us. In other words, we are tempted to desire the praises of one another. Why? Because it feels good. And we've all had people in our lives who took more away from us than gave to us. And since we're in a church setting or around other Christians, we don't always see or realize when our flesh is being fed by improper motivations of our hearts. There are other times when we are tempted to desire power or control. Remember, this is the desire of the flesh, not our spirit. But even still, this desire tempts us if we don't understand its reality. The flesh, listen, the flesh does not want to change. I know a lot of you might think, I don't like to change. That's the flesh in you not wanting to change. Why does the flesh not want to change? Because if it changes, the Spirit makes us become more like Christ and the flesh doesn't want to. So it's naturally part of our, 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 our sinful nature. Our flesh does not want to change. It doesn't want us to yield to the Spirit. Because if it does, then the flesh will die. Therefore, one of the strongest desires of the flesh is to want to take control and to keep control. That's why many people never get close enough to God because going to God means I have to give it all up. I need to surrender all. And and the flesh doesn't want you to do that. It wants you to hold on to control and keep control. Again, that's not you. That's our flesh that wants to do that. It doesn't want us to change. When this happens in a body of believers, people feel threatened by change, even if it lines up with God's will. After all, this is exactly what the Pharisees did. They were threatened by the change brought about by Jesus because the desires of their flesh did not want to give up control. When we refuse to acknowledge and consider the inner workings of the control-focused flesh, we refuse to admit our own mistakes. We refuse and we do not take responsibility for actions that we have done. And we become very defensive if open suggestions are made for us to change. Again, I stress to you, this is not us. This is our flesh working through us because it does not want to give up power to change. These desires of the flesh work covertly in many godly organizations. Many leaders and members have walked away from flocks or have become compromised in their walks because they have not given the flesh its due attention. They only say, I'm going to come against the enemy, but they ignore the fact that their flesh is growing. The fact of the matter is that many Christians have mistakenly tried to renew their minds through God's Word in their own strength. But they have only found defeat or continuing strongholds to dominate their lives. They have not found or fully realized the treasure that Jesus talked about, even though they indeed have searched for it. Even though they were feeling that they were looking for it in the right place. See, just trying to memorize a bunch of Scriptures is not going to 
destroy everything. We need a gift of God working with us to regenerate our spirit. In order to refine our search, we have to undergo a proper transformation that begins and continues and is fulfilled by God alone. Romans 12, verse 2. Starting at verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, verse 2 talks about the need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. There's no doubt that this is what Christians do by coming to Jesus and becoming part of a church to be encouraged so that God can use us to advance His message in the world today. However, too many people skip over the first verse of this chapter to see how it's done. How do we become transformed? How do we renew our minds? Without acknowledging this specific instruction, our walk is incomplete. And we end up striving in our flesh to become more like God, but failing to silence the sinful desires within us all. Romans 12.1, let's go back one verse. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is strong language by Paul as he urges us to consider this warning. Why would he urge us? It's because he himself struggled with the same temptation. He knew the power of the sinful nature to always want control and power and to live off the praises of men. He knew that it worked deceptively behind the scenes, always trying to feed itself to stay alive. And he knew that the only way to overcome, to be transformed, and to truly be renewed was to bring the concept of sacrifice to the table. After all, it was only by Jesus' sacrifice that the doors of salvation opened to all of us. Likewise, Paul urges us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to show our commitment to God and allow God to be the only one who fills us and continues to meet our needs. But Paul doesn't end at the word sacrifice. He clearly states that through this living sacrifice, we choose to become holy and pleasing to God. This means that it is a choice that we commit to each day. Every day, the enemy will tempt you to give up or to not follow that path. We need to commit to it each and every day, yielding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and willingly emptying ourselves of the world's offering so that we can be filled by God alone. But then Paul goes one step further. He declares that this is our true and proper worship. In fact, in other versions of the Bible says this is our reasonable service. This is just the beginning. This is just the basic is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. This is the foundation for our journey with God. If we are not willing to offer our bodies and our minds and our souls as a living sacrifice, willingly giving up our fleshly desires, then we have not even begun to honor God in true and proper worship if we are still being filled by the treasures of the world and by the praises and the affirmations of others, 
by the perceived power in our positions, then we are fooling ourselves if we think that we are being transformed and renewed into God's image. If we are not open to the continual conviction of the Holy Spirit to admit that we are wrong, to change our thinking and our speaking and our actions, and to empty ourselves of fleshly motivations, then we will continue to seek after the wrong treasure in the wrong field. James 1.15 Again, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. If we are honest, all of us have had our desire conceived with temptation to give birth to sin in our lives. But we also have access to the power which defeats sin. Our access is through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. If you are convicted by this message, if this makes you uncomfortable or squirm in your seat, you have allowed the, you are realizing that you may have allowed the world to feed your flesh. And now you desperately desire nourishment from God. Let me tell you what's happening. When we choose to become vulnerable before God and are open for conviction from His Spirit, then the desires of our sinful flesh begin to lose their hold on us. They no longer conspire or conceive with temptation. The Spirit of God has a different desire and we cry out for God and God alone. That's what part of the conviction process is. And too many times we're afraid of conviction. We're afraid of being vulnerable before God and so we don't allow that to happen. And yet the only way we become closer to God is if we allow or crucify the desires of our flesh. Remember that sin is born when desire conceives with temptation. But there is a far greater conception when God takes center stage in renewing your mind and transforming your life. Through the working of God's power through His will, joined by the obedience of Jesus and His sacrifice at the cross, Salvation was conceived as a gift to all who would receive this perfect gift of life. Yet the third part of this divine conception centers on the fact that the Holy Spirit of God convicts your souls to the necessity of this truth. When your spirit cries out for healing, for forgiveness, or for perfect love, you desire peace. You desire God's presence. You desire the power of God. This is the treasure of the Gospel message. Not everybody finds it. This is the field it's hidden in. The Word of God. Many have heard the stories. Many have ears, but they do not hear. Many have eyes, but they do not see. But God, out of His infinite wisdom, hid His treasure in here if we're willing to look for it and allow the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts to open us up to see and to find that treasure through the heart of the Father. The love of Jesus is there for all who desire it. Not everyone will find it. Back to Matthew 13, verse 44 again. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. It's the message of salvation hidden in this field. It's the Gospel message which a man found and then he hid. Why would you find something and hide it? It talks about us hiding that message deep in our hearts so that when we go through trials, it's still there for us. 
It's not just on the surface. We trust God through our trials. Remember, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he does, he is approved by God. You will go through trials. You will go through storms. But the anchor holds in spite of the storm. Because the anchor is Jesus Christ. It's not your own strength or your own wisdom or what you think you can do because we can't do anything, but with Christ we can do all things. Amen? Amen. The anchor holds in spite of the storm. So when we find that treasure, we take the effort to hide it and to hide it deep. If you feel God is speaking to you through His Word, then you have found this treasure. But now we must be diligent to hide it deep in our hearts. And to go and sell all that we have means this. It means that that we must be willing to empty ourselves of wrong motivations. We must be willing to empty ourselves of the desires for the praises of others or the need to be in control or the need to be right. To buy that field must mean that we must be willing to go all in with God, to not hold anything back. No matter how many times you've heard this message, if you are feeling convicted right now, you are open to this treasure. That's not a bad thing. That tells you that the Holy Spirit is near and He's moving on your hearts. The cross demands that each one of us right now urges us to come near, to be convicted by the Holy Spirit to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice that we may honor God with true and proper worship. Luke 9.23 Then He said to them all, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. It's a daily choice. For too long, people have denied that the sinful nature exists. They think it's all about the enemy. But God doesn't tell us to do that. He tells us to deny ourselves. To deny those sinful natures. To, to, not, to deny its power. Yes, that voice is there, but we need to deny it and daily pick up our cross. It's a choice that all of us must make. Will you choose to deny yourself? To take up your cross daily and to offer your reasonable service by worshiping Him with the desire for nothing less than the treasure of His heart. That's what worship is. We do different songs of worship, but it's really an attitude of your heart. Whether you know the song, whether you can sing the song, whether you're in the right key, really makes no difference. It's, our only, it's only our desires that want us to do things right. So it sounds good, but God looks at your heart. He looks at the heart of man. Our job is to surrender ourselves unto Him. So as I sing this, Song of Reflection. I ask us to get, have our hearts right before God. If, if God has convicted you in anything, don't resist it. Just give it up to God because we want to get rid of the stuff inside of us so that we can be filled with God's treasure. Amen?